news, views, ideas, and hard truths. You're listening to the Insights Cans podcast. And welcome to Insights Cans. This is our first episode for 2024. And it's a great welcome to Councillor Brett Oz from Division 9. Hello, Brett. G'day, mate. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. You're looking well? Uh, yeah, I was in a good paddock over the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, Brett, uh, we'll get straight into it, I think, because there's a lot to cover in this in this episode. Uh, it's, it's virtually one month of the day, the tropical cyclone Jasper stopped in the middle of the Gulf and or Cape York and decided to drop an unprecedented amount of rain. Some are saying the 100-year wet and has caused, as we know now, caused a lot of destruction and trouble for a lot of people Absolutely. north of Cairns, south of Cairns. Um, mate, just give us a wrap because you cover Ellis Beach to Trinity Beach, yeah. Yeah, but, tr- from Alice Beach down to Trinity Beach. So just just tell us how are things shaping up? Yeah, well, it's first of all, like um, to see that coming, tropical cyclone Jasper, and, I, and everyone that's listening probably lived through it. it. All the warnings that came out and everything else, everyone's waiting for these high winds, and that's what they were really concerned about. And they just didn't happen for us down here in Cairns. And then uh, everyone was kind of like relaxing, messages went out, oh, it's all good. And, uh, and they thought that the cyclone was just going to move on to the Gulf Carpentaria and drop a bit of, bit of rain. Yeah, As you say, yeah. I think in the, within three-day period, it dropped over two metres of rain at Ellis Beach, 850 mils on that Sunday afterwards. And, yeah, the, the devastation uh, at all the beaches. Uh, Palm Cove, you can't even step down on the beach. It's like a metre, metre and a half drop. Uh, it's a nice flat beach now, though, good for beach cricket. But it's uh, but it's this huge drop that we've got to try and fix. Kawara Beach, all the trees on the foreshore look like they're about to look, like Melucas, palm trees, they're about to go and uh, debris everywhere looks nasty. Uh, Clifton Beach had a, about a 60, 70 metre section of the Northern Beaches Ledger Trail, just got washed out. So there's this huge cavern there. Um, Palm Cove, uh, back to Palm Cove, sorry, Goldfinch Park got eaten away by the um, by the estuary up there on the north side of the jetty. And then Ellis Beach, oh my God, um, the cafe, the caravan park and the, the yeah. surf club. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they... We, we didn't have one loss of life due to the cyclone. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Yep. And I was going to cover that. Uh, not one fatality, direct fatality, which is just amazing from, say, Cooktown right through to Innisfail. Yeah, it is amazing. And you, you think of all the dickheads that usually will go out and drive through flooded waters. You know, we always say if it's flooded, forget it. People did the right thing. People genuinely didn't go out and be, and, and maybe there was one or two that got away with it. But and, and all the rescues, some people... I was talking to um, some of the disaster recovery people today and there was no actual swift water rescues. So there were swift water boats out, of course, yeah, and there were yeah. rescues, people off roofs, but there was no one clinging to a tree for their life for an hour, waiting for someone to get there. We were, for this unprecedented event, as you said, to have no loss of life, um, to have no actual swift water rescues yeah. or people that, it, it was unbelievable because that amount of water, I, I hear in 1911 there was something like it, but the population was, what, 5,000? Well, you're absolutely right. And the, the image from 1911 is two young boys clinging to a piano sitting at the main intersection opposite the Barrier Reef Hotel, virtually with water up to their waist. Yeah, yeah. So it was just over 100 years ago. But, Brett, the images were coming through pretty quick and Alice Beach, the rocks, water, well, virtually a river going through Tom Headley's new project up there. It was, it was bigger than a river. It and was, then yeah. we started to see people pulling up a, 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 a calf from the Barren River Bridge. These images were coming to us. This is our paradise home. 
Mm. It was devastating for people. 100%. There was a dead cow at Palm Cove Beach. And then when and the council got that within, I think, uh, probably within a day, within 24 right, hours of hearing right. about it, and then the next day there was a uh, there was a boat uh, floating yes, there. And I don't yeah. know who owned that. But, no, you, these images, like you said, we live in paradise, and they went out, unfortunately, went out everywhere, global, and, and it really did impact our tourism. It did take people by surprise. I was going to mention the bomb. Yep. There has been some criticism, but what's your opinion of, of the way they, they track TC Jasper. Oh, I'm going to, you know, because cyclones... Uh, well, they're I, unpredictable. I, yeah, they're unpredictable. I love having shots at people if not doing anything. I really want to see the reviews, the internal audits into what went on because the bomb got a few things wrong, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. Um, they, they were t- and they were the Australia warning system was telling people to go in Edmonton to go hide in your toilet. They never told them to come out, so there's probably some old ladies still in their <laughs> toilets in Edmonton. So th- th- I think there were some things that we're going to look at that need to be improved. I, the bomb, I, obviously... I think they got it wrong. I mean, at the start of the year, they told us this was going to be a dry year with no cyclones. Well, hasn't that gone down Mate, well too? So, yeah. Unbelievable. But again, with... with and cycl- southeast Queensland is devastated. Yeah. But even talking to experts today and professionals in this space, they, they looked at us and said, guys, anyone that says they could have foreseen this, even with all that bomb material, they said, you, you, you're kidding yourselves. Because it's not just a 100-year event. This might have been the first time something like this ever happened here. Absolutely. Um, like on that scale. So it was... Yeah, it was... I, so I'm not, I don't want to have a go at the bomb, but yeah, I, no. there's going to no. be... Well, look, look, it's it's easy to have a go at anybody really these days, but we wait for the facts, and I'll get to that shortly. Yep. But you were our uh, last guest for 2023. It was nice. two weeks before uh, the 14th of uh, December when yep, yep. Uh, Jasper crossed the coast. So it was a week after we spoke to you that it appeared on the radio, uh, on the radar. Sorry. So the bomb, the bomb actually did do very good tracking. Uh, they they categorised it, they named it, and they said it's heading between Woodjil Woodjil and Cooktown, and it eventually did come over Woodjil Woodjil. Yeah, they got it and wrong. And then they yeah. said that it's heading west out into the Gulf, and it's likely to reform. There seemed to be a lot of focus on it reforming rather than where it was at the time. It didn't. It just sat there. I've never it seen just, a cyclone. I've never seen one stop like that. Just sit there for days and days. So then it's drawn in two. Two systems from Weeper. Yep. There was a low up there, and then a a, a, a low or a um, southeasterly convergence on the Coral Sea. So we weren't talking millimetres of rain. We were talking metres. Metres, absolutely. It was, like I said, I think in three days it was uh, two metres of rain. There was 850 mil. Uh, I, my friend in uh, Ellis Beach that lives up there, 850 mils of rain on that Sunday alone, and that was after probably five days of rain. But one of the great things to come out of this, and I know that there's some houses just devastated and there's some terrible things come out of it, the community spirit, for one. Unbelievable. It's just coming together and helping each yep. other out, the yep. mud armies that formed, um, the... the I've got to say, Ergon, Road Tech, QPS, SES, and um, the council council employees. Some of these guys, because you know, as you said a second ago, uh, when Tropical Cyclone Jasper was announced, I think it was it was on the tenth or the 9th of yeah, December. It was, yeah. And um, so the LDMG, the Local Disaster Management Group, they stood up then, and we had people working long shifts, like twelve-hour shifts and everything, for a week before the actual event. And yeah. then once it happened, they started working longer shifts, and they, the fatigue that people had, and the extra people can say, oh. QPS gets paid, council officers get paid, mate. They went above and beyond, and I just encourage anyone: if you see an Ergon worker, a road tech worker, yep. a council, yep. mate, go up and say thank you to them. They, Absolutely, yeah, patting the back sometimes is really needed. You don't know how Let's far it goes. Also, keep in mind, Brett, that uh, the council was saying it was they were going to be super king tides oh. as well. So where I work at the 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 end of 
or Muller Street. I've we've never I've never seen sandbags in the three and a half years I've been there, and we were very lucky uh, that we survived. We didn't get water with Jasper at the no, time, no. but we came back on the Monday morning. We had half a foot of water through the building. Yeah, well, that's that's all they were worried about at first was high winds and storm tide inundation, storm Unbelievable. surge. That's all they were thinking of. They weren't considering this rain. No one could predict it. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I, I like I said, it's there's lots of bad things, but there's a lot, there's some silver linings to come out of it. And I tell you what, the flood zones, and there's been a lot of photos. There's been a lot of people going around. There were 3,000 properties that QFest went and, um, and did surveys of. And I think there's 800 properties that had moderate damage, which means they had some water through the house up to up to about half yeah, a metre sure. or less, and then you, you really damaged ones. There was about 800 people that are moderate to really badly damaged. Out of 70,000 rateable properties in our LGA, um, it's a smaller number, but those people that are, are, are consist of those numbers, the, you know, a couple of them are destroyed. The houses are done. Well, one of the images, there were some powerful images, and I, I think that the main one was the two elderly people that lived in that Yellow Queenslander at Holloway's, I think it was. Yep. And it virtually collapsed. The in roof. The yeah. Yeah. They weren't insured. Well, I think you're fine. And this will and come this out. And this is a big issue. This is going to come out over the coming three to six months or a year. The people either don't have any insurance. Not hundreds. Thousands of people in this region yep. cannot afford insurance. And even people that have insurance are underinsured because of the cost of living. Correct. They've cut this out, cut that out. And, and some people cut flooding out because they're like, oh, I've been here for 40 years, never seen a flood in this area. So, no, I think you'll find in the next 12 months. All right, just on that subject, yep. flooding. And I heard Warren Inch today talking about it, that the... The the bomb declared it a cyclone. So when it crossed the coast, it was a former... They they then call it former tropical, tropical cyclone. Yeah. So we're getting into a grey area here. And insurance companies are pretty smart. So do they connect a flood? Was it a flood separate from... Jasper, did Jasper not cause the flooding? But at the end of the day, who cares about that? Well, it's but, people, but it's got people can't claim. You so, know, you yeah, have oh, that yeah. forty-eight hours oh. window of opportunity. No, I agree with everything you're saying. And yeah. the people out there that are getting handed this load of BS, and from the reinsurance pool too. Well, it's forty-eight hours after the actual event, so you don't count. It's like what? You know, there's a committee somewhere sitting in an office in Canberra that came up with these stupid rules. If there's an event, it doesn't matter if it goes for five seconds, five minutes, or five days. That event has caused you to have issues. That's what you've got insurance for. I don't know how politicians like. Who's the overarching authority? Is it politicians? Is it bureaucrats? Is it is it a, a private organisation? I honestly don't know who has the overarching authority over the insurance companies. I suspect the government can have some say here. How well, I know Warren has been working very hard for the last six or seven years to try and combat this. Yeah, he's been spending 15 years trying to get a pool like this. Yes, yeah. yes. Look, I spoke to a lady the other day from the Northern Beaches, just received her renewal, I don't know who the company was, $26,000. How can people afford that? You can't afford that. See, how can people afford insurance? It's... It's actually sickening because this is people's livelihoods. The biggest investment most people invest in their life is their house and their property, and that's just been taken Absolutely. away from these people. They haven't got the money there to rebuild it right now. Correct. The bank won't loan them money. So I just I, the government needs to step in, I think, and hold these insurance count, uh, companies to account because just on a technicality like that. So will that will that when when Cairns Regional Council do their post review? Yep. Will that be 
on the agenda? Well, we um, we were talking today in a workshop about um, about rates and everything else. Like people like well, rates well, notices are um, out. No, rates notices went out uh, today or yesterday. And, and you are giving provision to people in those affected areas with the same yeah with the same uh, the same stipulations. What we did during COVID, yep. you're saying no interest, and we'll work with you. Some of our guys, Steve Crampton, is just a legend. Uh, working with people in hard times, um, we have a, a rate relief tribunal that meets an independent rate relief tribunal. We can look at a case by case as well as potentially suburb by suburb in some instances, but you know, and to to push it out to help people get along with it. But that is not going to help them rebuild their house. Now, and and council can't put their hand in their pocket and say, "Well, here's half a million dollars to rebuild your house." No, of course you, you can't. No, that's a rate pay. That's, that's rate payers' money. That's one hundred percent. So yeah. it's yeah. The, um, the some of those people debacle, will never go back to their home, Brett, and they probably will never be able to get. Ins- even if someone comes and buys Correct. their property, they'll it will be devalued, and they'll probably never be able to get insurance on it. it we're we're going to find out over the next three months to a year, we're going to hear some really sad stories coming out, worse than what we've already well, heard. Well, they come out every day. Mm. What do you, what's the timeline, do you think, that people will, it could be a year, two years, could be five years? Honestly, it could be, it could actually go out to five years, but people are going to know pretty soon over the next three months to a six months to a year from their specific insurance companies if they're not going to pay out. There'll be people walking away from things, declaring bankruptcy to get out of this. Absolutely. It's 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 not going to be good. Council will work where they can with what they can, but there's there's other authorities that need to come in here. So did you, are you satisfied with the level of state government support? Well, it's, it's early days right now. Like we've just a lot of people have been away over Christmas too from different um, yes, insurance companies, have, yeah. different cabinets, and everything else. I think the state have come to the party pretty quick. Uh, there'll be federal disaster funding as well. Yes, so, actually, there what there is. Do yeah. you know if many people have taken up on that? I don't know exactly if it's flowing through it. I yeah. talked to some business owners yesterday in the tourism sector because there was announcements from the state about all these millions of dollars for the tourism sector and they're telling me nothing has come down to them and they don't qualify. And I'm like, so a lot of the money, a lot of these announcements sound really good, but then when you put the meat on the bones and you look at it, so it's too early for me to say the state's done a good job, bad job. They've been here. They've been on site. I think the, the work national coverage. Yeah. The Prime I, I, Minister was here. Uh, the Prime Minister's been here twice, I think, so yep. far. The, our Premier Giggles has been up here a few times, um, taking photos of statues of crocodiles and saying he's going to save them. Good oh, on you. Oh, you got him. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> Miles, mate. Don't get me started on that clown. But um, <laughs> but at least he's been up here and he's been looking. The announcements have been great. And, I, and, and Michael Healy, I'll, I'll commend him too. He's been doing. He's only a brand-new minister in the tourism role. I know he was And we should assistant. congratulate Michael as well. I've known him for more than 30 years. Congratulations, yep. Michael. It has been something he has wanted for that long. Yeah, yeah, well, well done. I mean, it's it was at Craig Crawford's expense, I guess, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't lose any sleep just over Just on that, tourism, <laughs> let's just go back to the Alice Beach situation, yep. Brett, if you don't mind. Yep. It was heart-wrenching, heart-bragging. When, when that place opened up after Tom, uh, you know, spent millions of dollars on it and so forth, it was packed every weekend, families and so forth. To see that river of rock come through was just, yeah... Absolutely heartbreaking. Have you spoken to Tom? Have you spoken to the people who yeah. manage? What's the current situation? I've been out with, uh, with out there a couple of times and spoken to Tom many times. Um, he, he's been out there trying to... And he's been on the shovel, working the whole time. In fact, when the surf club right next door to him, um, rocks came right down the back of it. It was like a torrent, like you said. It was not just Tom's places, but the surf club happened. He actually hooked... Tom got his own water and hooked it up to the surf club. Uh, he really did take care of everyone out there. Um, and then he's been working closely with council and road tech, trying to get, get it all cleared. He's going to open this weekend on the 20th. 
that the that cafe. Is, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. It is, but he um he's gonna need some help, and um I'm trying to work. Councillor kind of giving him a hard time on on some other approvals. I'm like, mate, this guy's bending over backwards to help people out there. Let's work with him. Yeah. And um, because yep. it is, it was a place to be, Ellis Beach Bar and Grill. He's really done good things out there, and I, I talked to Marty who um and Cece who who worked there for him, and they uh yeah everyone was just devastated because the night before they had a Christmas party the. Um, Hartley Street Crocodile Farm, Angela and Peter, they had their big uh, office Christmas party at the co- at the Ellis Beach Coffee sure. um, Bar and Grill. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's and, a fabulous uh, setup. And then the, the next day, they were watching where their cars were parked. Huge boulders. I can't tell you. I mean, the photos don't do it justice. I, I went out there a week afterwards, and I couldn't believe how big the boulders were. The ones that were still there. But I've I've had mates that walked out there with jerry cans to help people out, and it. it it was mountains and mountains, but another silver lining is it's really good uh, road base. They're going to use that rock, crush it up, and okay. that'll probably and council will get to use that, and that'll save ratepayers big money into the future. But that's uh, a very small silver lining. So possibly your biggest jewel in the crown in your division is of course Palm Cove, mm. but not just Palm Cove. The rest of the the area there. Is tourism starting to recover? I tell you what, because that Captain Cook Highway closed down, there was 51 landslides between Palm Cove and Port Douglas, and uh, they're going to open up this Saturday, the 20th. But because Port Douglas has been so hard to get to, you go to Palm Cove, it is buzzing. Yep. People everywhere. And I, I talked to hoteliers. Now, Tony Moore with Portofino's, uh, Chill at Portofino's, that's closed because his pipes just busted and went out. So um, that poor bastard's out of business at the moment. He's hoping to be back up within the next week or so. But um, the ones that are open are busy. Are we seeing southerners? Um, yes, there are southerners there. Now, well, that's I, a credit to them. That is a credit to them. I've heard we've lost, we lost $300 million in, in real money in tourism to just drop people, cancelled trips when they saw those photos. But Palm Cove seems to be buzzing. Are there long-term bookings coming in? Are there long-term bookings being ca- uh, cancelling? Now, that I don't know, but I'll be up there with a lot of hoteliers on Sunday and I'll be asking them what they're... Because this is typically their low season right now. And oh, it of usually, course it is, Yeah, yes. and, and it kicks yeah. off after Easter. So usually there's a lull, but I'm telling you, it's busy up there right now. I've been up there... But it's, it's interesting you say that because we're just starting to see an incre- or an influx of Chinese visitors. Yeah, I didn't see too many... In mid-November yeah. through to... to to December. And I haven't seen too many Chinese up there, to be honest, now, no, now you say no. that. But, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the demographic is, if whether if they're from Victoria, New South Wales, if they're just, you know, from Townsville. But there's bodies on the ground and there's money being spent up there. But that's but that's not the same for... Like, I talked to um, Michael Trout from Mungali Falls and they usually have three busloads of um, students that go up for lunches and stuff throughout the day, every single day. Yes. Yeah. They haven't had one bus since the 11th of December. And, I mean, and then, then with these tourism packages to, to help people out, they haven't got a cent of it. So, and then... And there's people that go on the paper this morning, similar story up in Cape Tribulation. So a lot of this money isn't funneling down to the people that need it. So it's really good to do an announcement, but we need to make sure it's getting to where it needs to go. Uh, and then I, I hear stories about the Housing Commission, Department of Housing, and they're taking people out of these, because some are only renters and the house got flooded and they can't stay there. They put them up, but they only put them up for a six-week period. So there's people on the 22nd of December that are telling me their two kids, uh, the husband and wife, have been, well, they use the word evicted from uh, social housing. And I'm like, wait a second, there's people that do the wrong thing 365 days a year and they get taken care of. These people are really destitute, just had their houses taken from them. Can't we help them out? That's what our taxes are for, right, for times like this. And there's disaster packages for times just like this. So 
one of the biggest things I, I and as it all comes out, and we'll have a look at how, how we're supposed things, uh, how we're supposed to roll in the next disaster because we could have a southern cyclone in a week. They're saying. Well, well, that's right. Is um, next week. when yep. when 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 the shit hit the fan, people that were having issues were calling people. Well, I'd answer the phone, were calling me up, and uh, and calling other councillors and whoever they could because they want to talk to a real human. Our um our after hours number, the council after hours number wasn't working, so they, they were really frustrated talking to a computer, pressing press nine now, press nine and hangs up on them. So when they called me, they're saying, I need this help, I need this, I need whatever it is. And I'd, I would call up whichever department it was or straight into the CEO's office and, and annoy them. And to their credit, they answered the phone 24 hours a day when this was going on. I can't fault any any employee or even elected councillors like Rhonda Coglin and Terry James. They had really tough jobs as a chair and deputy chair of the disaster centre. And I take my hat off to them. They've been everywhere. I agree with you, Brent. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I saw Terry on national television. He kept it real. Yep. And he presented well, spoke well, presented the facts. Didn't get involved in the hypeness of the, of the presenters asking the questions and so forth and just told the real story. Yeah, not like those American journalists that start no. throwing water on themselves. It, and... It's a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> up, us, up here, we just we, we know how to handle a cyclone, although mm. we haven't had a direct hit for so many years. We know how to handle a lot of water. I did say, yeah, I did say it was unprecedented and it, it did take us by surprise. So the, the call-up from council and so forth, what about the army? Oh, that's a good one. I'll finish off with that quick last point I was going to say. When people were calling me, I would call the CEO's office and everyone else and say, what can we do here? And they're like, well, we're actually still in disaster mode. We're not in the recovery mode yet. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, guys, these people don't care what mode you're in. They've got a need now. So I think in the next, one of the learnings will be, we just need to have someone taking notes and, and handing off. It was a bit, everyone was shooting from the hip a little bit at the start, and I guess because it was so unprecedented. Coming back to the ADF, the military, the army, um, I, this baffled me even when Lismore happened and Grafton then went under. We've had, what, we've got a couple hundred years of written history in this country, like written down. We've had lots of floods in modern times, literally a couple of years ago in um, New South Wales, like Lismore, Grafton and Ballina. And I'm like, and the ADF didn't come in there because this, the state didn't ask us. I'm like, why has the state got to ask you? I don't get this. And how come we didn't learn from that mistake? Because not so much cans need the ADF, although those Cameronga Villas could have used generators. And I don't know if you've been to uh, Townsville, the um, Laverack Barracks. They've got hundreds and hundreds of trucks yeah, and probably did. thousands and thousands of generators. They could have just got up here. They're four hours away. Yeah, or in a chopper, what, 45 minutes or an hour. Have you ever had a, a an Iroquois helicopter fly over your house at uh, 400 <laughs> feet? I don't know. Haven't personally, but Quite I, the experience. <laughs> I bet it would be, but they can get them up here in a hurry. Yeah. I don't know why um, either the mayor, a state MP, the premier who was up here, or the prime minister couldn't even call David Hurley, the um, the governor general, and say, "Hey, I want to cut through the red tape. We need get us a thousand generators. We'll drop a hundred in cans, and we'll take eight hundred, nine hundred up to Woodjo Woodjo Cooktown area." I, I don't understand why it, um, there's got to be a, the state's got to come assess some things, then ask them. The military, I know people, I read in the paper someone saying the military's there to defend us and kill people and they don't need to be doing this. The truth is in the military when they go to war, they are trained to try and rebuild towns and townships. They're already getting paid and I think we could have used them better. Um, I don't know why the phone wasn't picked up and asked. Apparently the state government has to do it. Maybe this is another learning that has to happen is when something like this happens, just mobilise and get some guys there. Even if you send a reconnaissance team for the the first few days. It's 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 the psyche of people who are in trouble and, and just people who, well, who aren't in trouble at the time as well, see that sort of movement, they, they see the, the foot soldier 
And I think at last... Thank God helps thank here. God helps help us here. And yep. it just makes people feel a lot better. So in the wrap-up with... We're in a, whenever you do your post, because things are still being done on the northern beaches, might yep. be six months, 12 months, it, it, does it just show how much the council does multitask? It, it honestly does. Right now, because we've got 1,200 employees, right? Now, council, um, their business as usual... That they need those 1,200 people full-time to be doing what they're already doing. When something like this happens, they're picking up five or six different hats and they're doing other jobs and some of the things that they usually do have been pushed to the side, but they build up on them. This is going to take months and months to get through, but, yeah, the council officers um, from the IT department right out to the guys at the, at the depots, I can't fault any of them. I haven't heard one complaint about them from the public either. They are all going above and beyond. And and that's that community resilience too. Because the community hasn't just sat back and said, we want the state to help us or the council to fix everything. They've got together. I think they had 200 people involved in one of the biggest mud armies that was organised. And uh, and then you've got the community hub. Social media was fabulous. Oh, mate. And and I Facebook, I always have goes at Facebook. I have to have it obviously in my role to get my news out and uh, try and get people to like me. But but the worst of people comes out on Facebook usually throughout the year, but I've got to say, just like you said, I agree with you wholeheartedly, those community stations, um, community channels, on the northern beaches, we have the um, Cairns North Community Beaches, Cairns Combined, oh, sorry, the yep. Cairns Northern Beaches yep. page, Jay Kendall and, um, and uh, Dougie Whips, they run that, and I'm telling you, they were fantastic. And and there's been other pages all throughout Cairns, but that's the main one we have up up north. And the information they got out and when people wanted to know where can I go to help, that was on there. Facebook and social media came to the fore in a big they way. They certainly a... did. Yep. And, and look, the alerts that we got from Cairns Regional Council from BOM were magnificent. Yep. Constantly keeping us up to date. Except for those first ones with the cyclone that were a bit um, alarmist in language. After that, they were, they were really good. There was just a couple sent out real early and, and, and then people became complacent, even three days later, like, oh, it's just another, another evacuation. Well, we're getting ready for Christmas. Well, that's right. It was heading over to the Gulf. Yep. And we all thought she'll go out there, or he'll, whatever it is. And if it reforms, it reforms. Give it time, we'll get ready again. But Christmas was upon us. It was a very low-key feeling Christmas. Oh, some people didn't really get to have one. No. And, um, yeah, there's not much to look forward to. uh, I I really think it's brought the region together as a whole. There's been a lot of positives in that, but I think there's going to be a lot of PTSD going forward, especially when people have to walk away from houses. But let's not forget uh, Mossmanshire Council, Cooktown Council, Atherton Council. Michael Kerr uh, was amazing up there. Has been fantastic. Uh, And, of course, uh, Innisfail, they they copped it as well. So Cairns itself was just the meat and the sandwich, had it happening everywhere, and yet parts of Cairns were virtually left untouched. Yeah, there, there was, I reckon, 95% of Cairns. We drive around here like, what, what cyclone where? But the ones that are impacted. But this, we had a meeting today, a two-hour meeting, about towards 2050, about future planning. Another small silver lining of this happening at this time is that it's shown a few things. And it's like, while we're planning for the next 2050 years, uh, down to 2050, what are we going to be doing? We talked today about, like, why is it 2024 and we still have council roads where people can't get into Machins, Yorkies and Holloways? Mm-hmm. Once every two years they go under. Why is that national highway? Why does that go under once a year? And we've we, we got to floodproof these because the thing is, those people, even though no one died, um, there was 220 people rescued from Holloways Beach. And when they got their evacuation from the uh, Australian warning system, the AWS, they were already sitting on a roof. But even if that warning had come a day and a half earlier... 
They couldn't get out of Holloway's Beach for the two days before they got evacuated. We need to fix up some of these roads, and, and these, these are highlighted some problems. The other thing is we had the Palmerston Road go down, and it's still down. We had the Gillies Highway go down, the Coranda Range go down, and the Rex, the Rex. Range go down. Yep. And so we couldn't get – we only have transfer stations, no landfill here, and so we couldn't get up there. So we started taking our, our transfer stations, took the waste to Townsville. Now then Ingham went under, like you said, Innisfail, Cops and Moraine. Ingham went under. Yep. If that had stayed under for another day and a half – we were going to start turning people away with their rubbish. You know what they would have done? They would have put it in the streets. They would have dumped it everywhere. It would have been a big mess. We need to, this is the time, we need to be having a look not only how to fix what's just been broken and fix it to a higher standard, but this is the time to look. We need another road to the tablelands, four lanes, a tunnel for that first kilometre, and then up over there. And sorry, yeah, I was going to say because... So you know the road I'm, you know the road I'm going to mention, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the bridle track. Is that the one the up the Quade close, Road? The Chloe River. Oh, the Quade Road, sorry, yeah. Well, that one there, I don't know why the state government won't take that one over, but even that would have been closed down in that oh, event. Oh, they got cranky with Mr Quade when he just went and did it. Yeah, well, instead of, yeah, he's working with them. <laughs> but they were taking too long. And Have you ever been up the Quade Road? I have. I've ridden a it bike on a couple of times. It is magnificent. Yeah, it's hard riding up that bloody hill, though, yeah. <laughs> and it's still in good nick with no maintenance yeah. for all these years. But that one there would have still closed down in this event. Yes. If they build one to, to be floodproof, basically, a four-lane... Uh, uh, in, through a tunnel all the way up. The B-doubles can go up and down there. They can come out at Edmonton at, to Ray Jones Drive. Um, it honestly has to happen. We have to stop talking about it. It's been 30 years. But this has shown we were only two hours away too from from having um, untreated water. It wasn't the problem we didn't have water. We had plenty, but we couldn't treat it, so people couldn't drink it. And um, and some of the stories from the water guys that literally in the pouring rain had to go up there and clear away up uh, Lake yep. Morris Road. Yep. And when they got up there, one of the workers was on a call out. He's literally with shovels. They had to hand dig out to unclog the, um, the, the water treatment plant. While he was doing that, he came back and his car had washed away. He literally lost his car because he was out there trying to get water for us. I mean, like I say, there are some heroes that came out of this and um, and they did some fantastic work. And that's the only reason why I voted for the um, the work we've got to do down here for the water security strategy, um, strategy because we unfortunately they're not going to build any dams. They've already told us that. There's no other alternative. We need to pull some more water out. We need to have another option. If something like this happens again, we we're two hours away from literally no one having water, treated water. Let's not forget some of our wonderful tourism operators that provided ferry services oh, from Quicksilver, Douglas yeah. and Cooktown and so forth. 100%. I, I think it opens up a lot of ideas. Oh, yeah, and well, thinking about the next election, you asked me some of the things and I was like, I wasn't ready. I was pulling a crystal fully. I don't want to give them out too soon. But a couple of things we're advocating for is a functional jetty at Palm Cove, like a safe harbour. We want a lagoon there too, like about half the size of the Cairns Lagoon. That'd be fantastic. 365 days a year swimming in Palm Cove. Just, just people listening, when when Brett says a lagoon, he's talking the southern side of the jetty. Yep. Because that would you, yes, because that it, it, the south easterlies are predominant. Yeah, this, wind yeah. and it, Sun Love used to tie up there 30 years ago and just get belted. That's right. It's just not couldn't safe. do it. It's not safe. Yeah, so we, would it be on that southern side you would have a lagoon and an entrance? Yeah, 100%. And there's um, Gary Hunt's already done a lot of the work. Yes. We've met with yes. Craig Crawford. Uh, he's all over it. He's actually already started works and talking to... Um, right, good. Well, it was Mark good. Bailey back in the day. I don't know good. who it is now, but they've already got some money to start the studies. Um, if this works out... Hopefully, like it either has some kind of wave mitigation, whether it be a rock wall or whatever, and a lagoon on the southern side, a smaller rock wall for the northerlies for that three months a year, and it's safe to go there. So that 
You can now have a ferry service to Double Island uh, all the time. You can have Quicksilver and, and Sunlover and then pull up there, uh, Reef Magic, if they want. Um, you can have water taxis if you want from um, Palm Cove to yeah, Yorkies exactly. to Cairns so people don't have to drive. And the other thing you can have there is the cruise ships pulling in behind Double Island and bringing the tenders in to a little tourism village to spend their money and have a great day in Palm Cove rather than going out because anything over 300 metres, the cruise ships can't go into Cairns, the inlet. That's right. There is not one cruise ship being built in the world today that's less than 300 metres. They're all bigger. So, and we need to start booking them in up there. So that, that's one of the things we want to do up there is get that jetty functional and make it a safe place to harbour. Are you hinting there might be something happening with Double Island? Yeah, well, that's in the it's in the, it's in the land courts, and I've been assured. Well, they're going to win because he's in breach of every condition. He might try and appeal at Benny Wu and who, Fortune Holdings. Who takes it? The state government. The state government. Yeah, and then one, it's, it's the Department of Natural Mines Resources and Energy. So DNRME, they have it, and they'll lease it out. They'll start. They'll go out for an expression of interest and put a tender out. And I think that you'll find there'll be three to five. Um, proponents come on board and who knows what will end up there but I think the state if, if we've got a safe harbour mate that's a very attractive option and the other thing we're trying to do is fix some parking in Palm Cove and there's that old Cairns Zoo site yes. and we could do some really good things with there like putting a roundabout in an entrance statement having a, tour, a travel centre like a tourism information centre which we don't have any in Cairns um, but that wouldn't be just for Palm Cove it's for Port Douglas it's all the way to Thursday Island um, people could pull in there get some fuel um, take some photos of the huge archway and everything else mm. the Welcome to the Great Barrier Highway. Welcome to Palm Cove. But we could also have a bunch of parks. We think we can get 160 parks in up there, like for RVs and cars, and have little electric minibuses taking people into Palm Cove and have less parks in front of restaurants on the Esplanade. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good things. Taylor's Point, I've been, I've been fighting for that since before I was a councillor, and we finally got some good news this week. Uh, Craig Crawford, Embry, James, so we've got bipartisan support, said it's both their highest priority, so I think we're going to get an election commitment to buy Taylor's Point. Fantastic. I'm the only one for some stupid reason that's been talking to the owners, um, Rob Predijon and Seaton Predijon, who are, they're gentlemen, absolute gentlemen, and they want to see a community get a win too. Um, they've always got to, I've always got to correct people like Craig Crawford and stuff when they say, we want to get it back into community hands. It was never in community hands. It's privately owned, then it was donated to the church, which was owned by the church, then they sold it to the Predijon. So we want to get it into community hands and not back into it. We want to get it into it. Council can be the trustee for it and um, and maintain it. We could have tracks there and everything else, but that's one of the things I've been working on for years and I'll be able to hope, happily say I played a very strong part in getting that back, getting that into, um, I almost said the same thing, getting into community hands. That's okay. We're, we're just about ready to wrap things up here, Brett, and We'll probably have you back again. My, my producer is nodding. We want <laughs> Brett Olds back. Uh, just quickly, uh, all your beaches, the beaches in your uh, division are... Back open, usable, nets are in. Yeah, uh, the net got pulled out of Trinity the other day. I believe it's back in. Now, there's a lot of debris and a lot of residents are pretty upset about it. And I've just said to them, guys, and I'll put a Facebook post out too, there is a long list, as you can imagine, of things that need to be done. That's going to take a long time. That's down. It's on the list, but it's down the list. We're we're taking care of infrastructure, humanitarian needs, and there's a lot of other stuff. And tomorrow morning at 7.30 in Palm Cove, the houses that got hit the worst were on the western side of the road, of the highway. One house had boulders come through the walls into the living room. There's there's lots of issues we've got to take care of. 
the beaches will get cleaned up at yes. some stage. Yes. I don't have a date for you because I don't want to lie to you. That's okay. But some of the nets are back in. Yeah, the nets are uh, all in. Any big lizards swimming around? <laughs> yeah, there was one up to the northern side of the jetty at Palm Cove, not in the not in the stinger net, uh, only a little metre, 1.2 metre But when the little ones are around, usually there's big ones around too. So always be crockwise, you know, swim between the flags. Don't go around swimming in estuaries and walking around there because there are big snapping things on the beaches. I, I've been trying for years to get the state to do more <laughs> and I won't stop. I'll keep trying. That's it. Yeah. Well, you've got an election coming up in March. How's the campaign? Um, well, I've been campaigning, I guess, for eight years because, you know, every time you're working, you, you, I've got a good track record, I believe, to, to rely on. So I haven't officially started door knocking or handing out letters yet. There's still eight weeks to go. A lot of people with what's been going on with Christmas, New Year's, with yes. this event that we just had, I don't think they want me up there taking photos, giving stuff out. So there are other candidates out doing that. I just don't feel it's appropriate to start yet and I feel like I can start a bit later because people have known me for eight years and I think they, if they vote for me, they know what they're going to get. Well, so. you've been proactive anyway in the disaster, mm. so they know you're there. This is going to be a very different campaign anyway for you. I think it will be, yeah. Well, because it's... People don't... Right now, people are concerned with their neighbour, with their families, with themselves. My brother lost everything. He living in Cairns. His storage shed lost everything in the storage shed and he's not really worried about the furniture, but all these photos... He's a, he's a soldier, a former soldier. All these photos from Timor, Iraq um, and Afghanistan, they're all gone, all the negatives, and you can't get those kind of memories back. So, you know, there's going to be people that really don't care too much about what I want to tell them about, you know, a footpath here in a playground there. So I'll just keep doing what I do and helping exactly. people. Yeah. So your track record, it's there. Uh, Brett, just with uh, council clean-up from people putting uh, destroyed furniture and so forth on the nature strip, they've been that's been picked up? Yeah, they've been doing a great job. And, and sometimes they go back day after day and like, wow, there's more there again. Um, so some people might be coming from other suburbs, mm. but dropping off, it doesn't matter, they're picking it all up. Just in Lake Placid, um, Caravonica, Machen's, Yorkies and Holloways, and then on a case-by-case case outside of there, so in Palm Cove and in Clifton we had a couple properties, but they didn't do a full suburb for everyone. They just did it on a case-by-case case outside of those five. And um, But they've done a fantastic job in taking care of it. We had, before the cyclone, just for a stat, the other thing I say, Ken's, you know, your residents did such a great job not driving in floodwaters. No one died. There was no one out being stupid trying to surf and run down the rivers. Um, the other thing they did was when we got told about Cyclone Jasper coming, we had the equivalent of three months' worth of green waste dumped in less than a week at our transfer station. People cleaned up the yards yes. knowing the cycle's coming. Like, yes. I, honestly, Cairns, take your hat off, to, give yourself a pat on the back. You guys listened, you paid attention, no one panicked, there was no ridiculousness going on and you all behaved and we're all alive and that's the main thing. Well, we'll hopefully we'll get the chance to talk with you uh, in the, the post report and what will come out and so forth. Uh, Division 9 Councillor Brett Olds, once again, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. You're, oh, yeah. you, you, you say it as it is, you call it as it is, and uh, we just thank you. Uh, thanks, Jay. I always appreciate being here, mate. Thank you so much. Yep. Coming on Insights Cancer, and that's uh, our first episode for 2024. We Pop hope to speak to you again. <laughs> thank you very much. One-on-one conversations, roundtable discussions, news and views. You're listening to the Insights Cans podcast.